Okay, we're going to go ahead and jump into the message. Uh, we're going to go ahead and continue on with our Echoes from Exodus series. Over the last several weeks, we've been kind of looking at the book of Exodus and some areas that we, I believe is, is very uh, relevant to our world today, where we're at today. And today, we're actually going to be in Exodus 2. So if you have your Bibles or your phones or whatever you use, if you want to turn, we're going to be in Exodus 2. We're going to look at several scriptures this morning, uh, but I kind of want to give you an idea of where we're at. Now, before we jump in here, I want to give a quick recap. I wasn't here last week and stuff, so real quick, uh, Cliff Notes version of the situation is this. So basically, uh, Joseph has, has come and he went to Egypt because of, of some family dynamics, uh, things that had happened that weren't so good. And basically he was there and interpreted Pharaoh's dreams, became second in command. And when that happened, he brought his whole family uh, to live in Egypt. They were there for, I believe, about 300 years when they just kept growing and multiplying and causing issues. And Pharaoh said, oh man, we got some issues here. These people are getting too strong. They're getting too big. So he begins to make them slaves. He begins to basically begin the process of, of genocide, of wiping them out. He wants to kill every little boy that's born. I mean, it is a rough time. It is not a good moment in Israel's history. And so that's kind of where we're at. And I know that's a really quick uh, Cliff Notes version, but that's kind of where we at as we kind of open up Exodus 2. So in Exodus 2, starting with verse number 1, let's remember all the bo baby boys are under a death sentence. Uh, if you're, they're born and, they're, and they're, they're supposed to be killed, they're supposed to be thrown into the Nile River. And so that's kind of where we kind of bring up where we're at. So Exodus 2, verse 1, and here's what it says. About this time, a man and a woman from the tribe of Levi got married. The woman became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She saw that he was a special baby and kept him hidden for three months. But when she could no longer hide him, she got a basket made of papyrus reeds and waterproofed it with tar and pitch. She put the baby in the basket and laid it among the reeds along the bank of the Nile River. The baby's sister then stood at a distance watching to see what would happen to him. Soon Pharaoh's daughter came down to bathe on the river and her attendants walked along the riverbank. When the princess saw the basket among the reeds, she sent her maid to get it for her. When the princess opened it, she saw the baby. The little baby boy, or the little boy was crying, and she felt sorry for him. This must be one of the Hebrew children, she said. Then the baby's sister approached the princess. Should I go and find one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you, she asked. Yes, do, the princess replied. So the girl went and called the baby's mother. Take this baby and nurse it for me, the princess told the baby's mother, and I will pay you for your help. So the woman took her baby home and nursed him. Later, when the boy was older, his mother brought him back to Pharaoh's daughter, who adopted him as her own son. The princess named him Moses, for she explained, I lifted him out of the water. This is a story we've, we've probably heard quite a bit. It's a story where Moses is actually born. His mom and dad hide him for about three months while they can. Uh, and then basically they do something that I cannot imagine how difficult it must have been. They basically take their little child, they place him in a basket, and they let him go. This has nothing to do with the message necessarily this morning, but listen, one of the hardest things you will ever have to do as a parent is know the time and the season to let your child go. I remember as a youth pastor, I saw this done extremely well, and I saw it done extremely poorly. It is literally one of those things that, and I'm not trying to exaggerate here, but it keeps me up at night thinking about the day 
when Emily and I will have to know the time to let Easton go. And here's what's awesome about that for Christians. We don't just let our children go and then say, well, okay, we'll see what happens. We're not letting them go to let them go. We're letting them go and we're trusting God with them. I can't imagine that mom looking down at her son, placing him in that basket, and basically thinking to herself, maybe this was the last time I was ever going, she was ever going to see her little baby boy alive. She puts him in, she sets him in the river, and God begins to work in a plan that begins to really shape not just this story, but literally the history of the world. And it's interesting to me that it begins with a mom and a dad who are willing in the right time, in the right moment, to know when it's time to let go. So she does. Pharaoh's daughter finds him, and we begin this process. Now let's continue looking in our story with Exodus 2, 11 through 15. It says, many years later, when Moses had grown up, he went out to visit his own people, the Hebrews, and he saw how hard they were forced to work. During his visit, he saw an Egyptian beating one of his fellow Hebrews. After looking in all directions to make sure no one was watching, Moses killed the Egyptian and hid the body in the sand. The next day when Moses went out to visit his people again, he saw two Hebrew men fighting. Why are you beating up your friend? Moses said to the other one who had started the fight. The man replied, who appointed you to be our prince and judge? Are you going to kill me as you killed that Egyptian yesterday? Then Moses was afraid, thinking everyone knows what I did. And sure enough, Pharaoh heard what had happened, and he tried to kill Moses. But Moses fled from Pharaoh and went to live in the land of Midian. Here we see here the situation where the Bible tells us later on, we'll see this in the scriptures in Acts, that Moses is 40 years old at this point. So he has, he has been in the palace. He has been growing up in the palace. This is in your notes. Acts 7.22 says this. Moses was taught all the wisdom of the Egyptians. And he was powerful in both speech and action. So here's the story. Basically, God is already beginning this plan of redemption. He's planning this idea of freedom for his people. And he has chosen Moses to be that guy that's going to lead his people out. We, don't, we need to remember something. God doesn't choose this when he's born. God doesn't choose this when he's saved in the reeds. This is Moses' destiny from the very beginning of time. And so God is now working his plan to get him to that destination and that destiny that he's called him to. And so he saves him from death, certain death from a death sentence. And not only that, God doesn't save him simply. He actually places him in the household of Pharaoh. He's adopted into Pharaoh's family. He's taught everything. He's taught mathematics. He's taught astronomy. He's taught all the wisdom that Egypt has. If you want to understand a little bit about the wisdom of Egypt, go online and look at the pyramids. Look at the Sphinx. Understand these were advanced people who understood some amazing things. And Moses is taught all of these things. God is beginning to prepare him for a great purpose. Before we jump into the main part of the notes, let's pray. Father, we love you and we thank you for this time. Father, I pray that in this moment, God, you would just speak through me, that you would just help me to focus on what you desire for me to say and that my words would cease and that yours would begin. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. 
Amen. You see, here's what we need to understand. And we'll understand a little bit more about us in a second. But God created Moses with a purpose. He didn't just, this isn't an oops, this isn't a just a, a, a funny little coincidence. God, from the very beginning of time, picked Moses as the man that was going to lead his people out of bondage and into freedom. And so all these things that are happening in Moses' life are preparing him and training him for that moment in time where Moses is going to step into that place and lead his people. Now, here's what's interesting. We don't have this scripturally, so you need to understand that because I don't, I don't ever want to say something to you and you go, oh, well, that's in the Bible. It isn't, but we do have some historical uh, figures, Josephus, basically, who is a, you probably heard of him, he was a, a major, during the time of Jesus, actually, historian, a Jewish historian, he actually wrote that, that Moses was literally in line to be Pharaoh. That for whatever reason, Pharaoh had not had any sons, and so as the adopted son of Pharaoh's daughter, Moses was actually going to become the next Pharaoh. Now, look, think about that for a second. How cool is this? God says, listen, I want to free my people. I want my people to go back to the land that I've promised for them. So I'm going to put somebody in place that can do that very, very easily. If Moses has just, it just follows God's plan, follows God's situation, let's say he does become Pharaoh. Hey, let's say he doesn't become Pharaoh, but he's in that real big part of sphere of influence where he can really make a difference for his people and possibly be the man that leads them out. We see that in scripture a lot where God doesn't necessarily put that person to be king, but puts them in contact with the king so they can do some great things for him. So maybe that's what Moses' plan is. But regardless, God has a great purpose, and his purpose is to use Moses to lead his people home. But here's the thing we need to understand. God didn't just create Moses for a purpose. God created you with a purpose for a purpose. I find that people seem to forget that sometimes. Or they'll remember it when things are going right, but when things get hard or difficult, we seem to forget that God actually called you for a purpose. God has a plan for you. God wants to do great things in you and through you. Look at Jeremiah 1.5. This is what it says. I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I set you apart and appointed you as my prophet to the nations. We usually have heard that first part of that scripture a lot. The idea of forming and, and knowing in your mother's womb. And that's obviously true. But God continues here when he speaks to Jeremiah to say, listen, before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you. What is God communicating here to Jeremiah and also to us? He's communicating this, listen, I have a plan for you. I have a place for you. I have a purpose for you. If you have believed the lie from the enemy that says something to the effect of, hey, you're a mistake or, or you're no good or God can't use you, that's a lie from the pit of hell and you need to throw it away. Because you do have a place. You do have a purpose. God has a plan for you. God has appointed you to do great and mighty things for him. Let's look at Psalms 139. I love these verses. These are amazing verses. Psalms 139, 13 through 16. This is what it says. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. 
You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. And then verse 16, this is important. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every day of your life has been recorded in God's book. God, before you were born, before, I, I like to say, at the beginning of time, began to write out your story. One of the things that we talk a lot about here is, is wanting to know each other's story and where those things came from. You know, God has written out your story. God has written out your story. And he's got it there. And he's going, man, I got a great story for you. I always used to say this, and, and I got in trouble because it actually was kind of painful <laughs> in the long term. But I remember before I met Emily and before I got married and, and all those sort of things, I remember I would tell people, because I was not smart at the time and probably not that smart now, I would say, listen, I, wanna, I want a love story with my wife that I can tell my grandkids, and they're going to go, wow, that's a great story, Grandpa, tell us again. Well, guess what? I got that. And it hurt. It wasn't easy. But it was still a beautiful story. God has a beautiful plan. God has a beautiful story for you. But, there's always a but sometimes. We get to choose whether or not we act through the story or not. We talked about it a couple weeks ago. This idea of free will. This idea that God lets us choose. We get to choose whether or not we will walk in the story. That God has. And it's important that we see that. Because here's the bottom line. As we saw in our verses this morning. There comes a time where Moses makes a choice. Let's look at it together. You see in your notes. God's plan is unfolding nicely. He's, in, he's exactly where he needs to be. He's getting into a place of position. He's getting trained to lead God's people. Everything is flowing nicely. But Moses makes a choice that takes the train off the tracks. Moses makes a choice. You see, God's plan very well could have been, listen, let's just say, hey, he was going to be Pharaoh. Now think about that. If Moses becomes Pharaoh... And he says, basically, listen, I'm in charge. And I say these people could go home. Guess what's going to happen? Those people are going home. The Pharaoh was the one that put them in slavery. Another Pharaoh could take them out of slavery. Guess what would have happened if that took place? More than likely, there would have been no plagues. There would have been no death. There would have been no suffering. And as we're going to see in a little while, it could have come much sooner than it did. But Moses decides that God needs a little help. And it causes the train to come off the tracks. We're going to be in Acts 7. Now, Acts 7 is, uh, is basically another telling of the story that we just read in Exodus 2. But we're going to look at Acts 7 to kind of look at this story. So Acts 7, verse number 23 through 28. This is what it says. One day when Moses was 40 years old, he decided to visit his relatives, the people of Israel. He saw an Egyptian mistreating an Israelite. So Moses came to the man's defense and avenged him, killing the Egyptian. Now, as we saw in Exodus 2, we, we don't just see that, but Moses literally looks around. He's, he's checking. He knows what he's going to do here. Is it good? 
But he's looking around. He, this isn't a, an impulse thing. Now, I believe that this had been building up in Moses for a number of years. And this was the day that Moses just snapped. But still, he looks, he's looking around, he knows that what I'm going to have to do is not good. It's kind of interesting that when we make choices like that, that's typically what we do. We look around to figure out, is anybody watching? Look at verse 25. Moses assumed his fellow Israelite would realize that God had sent him to rescue them, but they didn't. It's interesting here that we see a little more insight of what's going on in Moses' mind. You see, Moses, if we could look at the scripture, we can see that Moses believes, he knows what his purpose is. He knows what God has called him to do. He says, listen, I'm going to rescue my people. I'm going to save my people. So he assumes here that it's time. The next day he visited them again and saw the two men of Israel fighting. He said to the peacemaker, men, uh, your brothers. He tried to be a peacemaker. Man, he said, your brothers, why are you fighting each other? But the man in the wrong pushed Moses aside. Who made you ruler and judge over us, he asked. Are you going to kill me as you killed that Egyptian yesterday? You see, Moses begins to make some choices. In our scripture, both from Exodus 2 and Acts 7, we can begin to see some of the choices that Moses makes. We're going to look at those together. It's on the back side of your notes because here's the thing. I think when we begin to do these things, these are some of the areas, these are some of the choices that we are making. Now, I'm not saying like, like okay, I'm actually thinking about it, but this is really what we're doing in so many ways. And I wrote down four that I want to talk about with you this morning. Number one, he chose his plan over God's plan. I would say this is one of the big ones, that we tend to choose God's, we tend to think, God, your plan isn't moving quick enough or fast enough or well enough, so God, I'm going to come along and I'm going to take care of it. Moses here is going, listen, I don't like that this is happening. I don't like the situation, and so God, your plan isn't working for me. So therefore, my plan is better, God. My plan is what needs to take place. And so Moses begins to operate in his plan instead of God's plan. Listen, hear me here. I believe that God called us to make plans. I don't believe that God basically says, hey, just, just kind of flow where the wind flows and just see what happens. I think it's wise for us to make plans. But here's what we need to understand about our plans. Our plans have always have to take a second seat to God's plans. We should desire God's plans over our plans every single time. Is that easy? No, it isn't. Should it be easy? Yeah, it kind of should. Why? Simple. God knows. We don't. But we tend to live that way, where we think, God, you don't know. God, you don't see. Remember the first week we talked about this idea of, God, do you even see? I can believe in Moses' mind. He was saying the same thing. God, since you aren't going to deal with this, I'll deal with it. I see this injustice and I'm going to deal with it. Next, he chose his strength over God's strength. He said, I'm strong enough to handle this. I'm big enough to handle this. I can deal with this situation in a way that will take care of it. Listen, we need to understand something. You can do great and mighty things, but you can always do great, more great and mighty things with God's strength over your strength. Your strength is not enough. Moses thought by his one action. I mean, think about it. His one action of strength. I killed a guy. Therefore, they should see that as being strong. 
Unfortunately, in our world today, we have a very skewed understanding of that word strength. Moses thought strength was basically taking charge and doing what he thought needed to be done. Real strength really comes from trusting God and trusting his plan, even when it's hard to see. The next thing, he chose his timing over God's timing. Boy, this is a big one. Boy, you know, I mean, most of us, if you, if you look down at most wrists, you're going to find something very interesting. Okay? You know what it is? Some type of a watch. We are time-driven people. Here in America especially, we are time-driven people. We don't just say, we didn't say this morning, hey, listen, we're just going to meet for church, just come whenever you're ready. We said church is going to start at 10 o'clock. We, we basically say, if you have an appointment to get to the doctor or get your hair done or whatever, you have a time that is appointed to you to show up. So we are very much people that, that focus on time and look at time. And here's what we tend to do. When we think God is late, we have a problem with that. Here's what will help you. Here's what's helped me. God doesn't wear your wristwatch. God doesn't sit there and go, oh man, Aaron's looking at his time. Aaron thinks it needs to happen right now, so therefore Aaron will do it the way Aaron wants us to do it. Listen, sometimes the right thing at the wrong time is still the wrong thing. Timing matters. It wasn't time yet. Moses hadn't been elevated to the position he needed to be yet. And so Moses thought, it's time. I'm tired of waiting. I'm tired of taking these moments and doing them over and over. So he begins to move. The final thing, he chose his assumptions over God's truth. Remember what it said? He assumed. You know what can get us in so much trouble? Assumptions. We make assumptions. Listen, here's the great thing, one of the great things about being a Christian. We don't have to make assumptions. You realize that? We have God's word. We have God's truth. We can look at that and we can stand on that firm foundation. We can know that God has a purpose for us. Why? Because God's word says so. We can know that God loves us and has a plan for us that is good and for our benefit. Why? Because God's word says so. We don't have to be afraid. We don't have to live in, in, in bondage. Why? Simple. God's word says so. You don't have to make assumptions, folks. You don't have to. Moses did. He assumed this was what would happen. You know, a lot of times when we make assumptions, we really, really hurt ourselves and others. Because here's the thing. Here's, here's what we tend to think when we make these choices. We kind of have this type of attitude. Maybe you've heard this type of attitude. Maybe you've said this. You've said basically, listen, I know I'm making these choices, but all I'm hurting is myself. And that's half true. You are hurting yourself, but you're hurting a lot of other people too. Let me give you an example of this. Let me kind of put this in perspective a little bit. Let's say that after church this evening or this afternoon, I am driving home and I get this great idea that there's a big fancy house uh, near where we live or maybe a far away from where we live. There's a big fancy house. And I go, you know what? I bet you they got some nice stuff in there. And I kind of like a new TV. And I kind of I like a, 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 something new. So, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to break in 
and I'm going to steal some stuff from that house, okay? And so I do. I go in, and I take myself a TV, maybe a new laptop, and I'm good to go. And so I'm walking out, and as I do, all of a sudden, the police show up, and they arrest me. And they say, listen, uh, you, you're not supposed to steal stuff. And I say, oh, okay. And they, I go to trial, and I get arrested, and I go to jail for 10 years. And you could go, well, you know what, Aaron? You got what you deserved. And you know what? Here's the thing. I am the one that's sitting in the jail cell. I'm, 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 get, I'm only hurt me, right? Of course not. I hurt the people that I stole from. You ever had something stole from you before? You ever, if you haven't, let me tell you, you feel violated. You feel like it's just the weirdest thing. I had a car stereo stolen when I was like 17 years old out of my car. And I was just like, oh, I mean, I didn't even want to be in my car. Because I was like, somebody was in here that stole stuff from me. It affected me. So it would affect the people I stole from. Obviously, it would affect my family. Easton wouldn't have a dad where he could just get to him easily for the next 10 years. Emily wouldn't have a husband. I'd be gone. It would totally affect them. And here's the other thing. It would affect you. Because I couldn't be here. I mean, maybe, I don't know, maybe prison would let you do some kind of a Zoom type of preaching, you know, but I kind of doubt it. And you probably wouldn't want me to do that anyway. It would affect you. When we make choices, it doesn't just affect us. And that's the thing. The choices that I make, this is in your notes, they will not only impact myself, they will also impact others. Listen, if you look at the story of Moses, we see in Acts that he's 40 years old when he makes this choice. God appears to him 40 years later. Because of Moses' choice, the people of Israel stay in bondage and in slavery, being treated harshly for another 40 years. Do not believe the lie that says, you know what? It doesn't affect everyone. It affects us all. But here's the thing. I want to leave you with some amazing news, with some encouraging things. Look at your notes. Just because you've made a poor choice, it doesn't mean that God's plan for your life has changed. Moses had a calling. He had a destiny. He had a purpose. It was to lead God's people out of Egypt just because he made some bad choices, just because he killed a man. Listen to what he did. He didn't just do something small. He does something big. It doesn't change the destination. A lot of times we live in our lives thinking, you know what, if, 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 if I did this, I, I can't do this, God. I, I'm, I'm now disqualified for the purpose that God set out for you when he wrote your days out in his book. I had this explained to me once in and, 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 and a picture, and I thought it was really good, and so I'm going to do that this morning. It's basically, you're here, okay? So this is where your starting point is. Maybe you could say this is when you were born, or this is when you started life, or, or when maybe God spoke to you about your purpose. And basically, God wants to take you down this path and lead you here. This is your destiny. This is the purpose. This is what God's called you to be. For Moses, it was maybe this is the time where he was put in that basket, and, and this is the time where he understood and knew this is, this is him leading God's people out of Israel. And what God wants to do is God wants to take you along this path. God wants to lead you among this path. God wants to basically say, okay, Aaron, I have this purpose for you, so I'm going to take you down this road to lead to that path. Now, I know it isn't straight, but I tried the best I can to kind of a straight line towards God's destiny. But just like Moses, 
we tend to make some wrong turns. We tend to decide, as, as Moses did, we decide some choices need to be made. And so somewhere along this road, basically what happens is instead of following it down, we do one of these. We take a left turn. We go, God, our plan's better. God, my timing's better. God, I understand. And so now we're over here. We're off of the road. We're off of the path that God has chosen for us to walk down. And what typically happens is one of two things. One, we make a course correction very quickly, realize that we've gone off the path. Because here's the deal. We all do, okay? That's the hopeful thing, is we go, oh, man. And we basically backtrack right back to where we go and to realize, okay, and now we keep going. Some people have a lot of these in their life, but that's all they have, which, which is okay. It's okay at times to, to mess up. We are going to mess up. We're not perfect, but we got to realize it and get back on the path. Unfortunately, what happens for a lot of people is they get out here, and once they get out here, they begin to make other choices. And so they go, okay, I think I'm going to go over here now, and then I'm going to go over here, and then I'm going to go over here, and I'm going to go over here, I'm going to go over here. How about over here? How about over here? This will work good. Oh, I'm go over here. And, and this is what tends to happen in their life they make a mess they make a mess but here's the thing even through all this mess god is working to bring you back to this line god does it in many different ways in many different times sometimes you've heard people say you know i had to hit rock bottom for moses it happened a little bit differently but you need to understand that the truth is still there for Moses and for you. God is going to do whatever he can to get you back on track, headed to your destiny. Because no matter how messy this is, if you notice, this never changes. It never changes. Let's look, Exodus 3. Exodus 3, verse number 1. Let's read it together. One day, now this is after Moses has left, he's run away. He's run away. One day Moses was tending the flocks of his father-in-law, Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led the flock far into the wilderness and came to Sinai, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the middle of a bush. Moses stared in amazement. Though the bush was engulfed in flames, it didn't burn up. This is amazing, Moses said to himself. Why isn't that bush burning up? I must go see it. When the Lord saw Moses coming closer to take a closer look, God called him from the middle of the bush, Moses, Moses, here I am, Moses replied. Verse number five. Do not come any closer, the Lord warned. Take off your sandals, for you're standing on holy ground. I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. When Moses heard this, he covered his face because he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord told him, I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I have heard their cries of distress because of their harsh slave drivers. Yes, I am aware of their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and lead them out of Egypt into their own fertile and spacious land. Jumping to verse 10. Now go, for I am sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people out of Egypt. And it's a beautiful picture. You know what, you know what this is? This is that wilderness that Moses experiences. The Bible tells us that Moses is 80 years old. 40 years. 
he's experiencing this mess. For 40 years, God is working on his heart, doing things in his life. Why? Because God's destiny for him still hasn't changed. God's plan for him is still good, and he's doing everything he can to get him back on this path. Listen to what God says to him. He says, you must. He was called from the very beginning to lead his people out. Look at this, hear me and understand this. This is in your notes. You can choose to go a different direction in your life, but you cannot change the ultimate destination God has created you for. What does that mean? Simple. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter how many turns you've taken. God has created you for a plan, for a purpose, to do amazing things for him. And that idea of God, I've messed up too much. God, I killed a man. God, you don't know what I did or Aaron you don't know what I did is not a valid excuse why because this has never changed God will put roadblocks in your path God will put burning bushes in your path God will put people in your path why because he desires to get you back on the road that leads to your destiny just like Moses just like him we tend to believe the lie we tend to run off to the wilderness and think to ourselves, yes, there was a time where God could have used me. Yes, there was a time where God had great plans for me, but because of the choices I made, I've been disqualified and I no longer am able to accomplish those things. Listen and hear me. If you are believing that lie this morning, I want to encourage you that your destination has never changed. The purpose you were created for was never changed. Now hear me, you still get to choose, just like Moses. And we're going to look later, you know, Moses makes a bunch of excuses why he doesn't believe that this is the case. But listen, most of us know the story pretty well, or at least we saw the movie. He gets to Egypt, and he does accomplish God's destiny for him, because he chooses to get back here and head to where God's had him to be. I'm going to invite the worship team up. We're going to close. You know, it's funny is, is one, of the, the, one of the questions I hear so much um, in, in, in my ministry really kind of centers around this concept. It really centers around this idea of, of me expressing to people from a biblical understanding that God's called you to great things. God wants to use you to do amazing things. You have a destiny, a purpose, and a plan for your life. And people looking at me and not believing it. And why don't they believe it? Because of the mess. They say, Aaron, you don't know what I did. You don't know what my past is. Or I even hear things like this. You don't know what someone else did to me. You see, sometimes, hear me, sometimes it's easier to get back on the path when we're the ones that made the mess. But sometimes, because of choices others have made, it makes it hard too. God can't use me. Well, well why not? Well, you don't know what happened to me when I was a little girl. You don't know how I was abused. Or sometimes it comes in this form. Aaron, I can't do that. Why, why, why can't you fulfill God's purpose? Because I'm worthless. I, I, I've been told my whole life I was a mistake. 
So God, God can't have a purpose for me. God can't do that. Why? Because God, God can't have, God can't have a purpose for a mistake. And it's a lie. Look, I don't know what God's called you to. That's between you and the Lord. And if you don't know, I would encourage you to spend as much time in prayer as you need to to find that out. Because God, listen, God wants to reveal this to you. God wants to show you this. And listen, if you know what this is and you're headed this direction, then I want to encourage you, just keep going. Just keep going. You're on the path. You're going to get there. But if you are in a situation where, you know what, because of situations, circumstances, things you've done, things others done, you'd say, Aaron, this is what my life looks like right now. And a lot of times when our life is like this, hear me here, this is interesting. We tend to continue to make wrong turns because God begins to bring harder things in our life to get our attention, to get us back here. And we fail to realize that. And so we make another wrong turn. I believe that you are here this morning, some of you that are needing to hear this because this is where your life is, whether you're here or online. And I am being that person that's basically saying, hey, it's time to get back to the road. God is using this message in this time as a wake-up call to say, listen, stop taking wrong turns. Get back to the path that I have for you, moving towards the destiny that I called you to and to the purpose. But God will do whatever he can do to get your attention. For Moses, it was a bush that wouldn't burn up. I don't know what God will do, but God will do everything he can to get you back here. Can, 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 we, can we do something together? Can we realize that God has a purpose for us? Can we realize that God desires us to get back here? And if this is where we're at, can we not, can we just stop for a second and say, God, I need to get back to this path with you. Father, we come to you right now. And God, you're so good. You're so good because you do have a plan for us. You do, you have appointed us for a specific plan and a specific purpose. Moses and Jeremiah and people in the Bible, they, they weren't special in that. Every single person. It doesn't say only the people written in the Bible or only the really, really spiritual people. I've got their days written. You speak that over all of us. You have a plan and a purpose for us to accomplish great things, not small things, because you're not a small God. But God, it's so easy at times to be like Moses and make choices that take us away. It's like we decide that we're going to go on a detour. We know better and we know best when, God, we don't. And Father, this morning, you're calling out to some of us and you're saying, you know what? It's time to get back on the path. It's time to come back to where I have you because I have called you to a specific plan and a specific purpose. And so, Father, if, if we are headed down that path, Father, I pray that you would help us to stay there. God, if we're not and we're kind of made a mess out of things, 
that this morning we would run to you and say, God, I want to be on your path. My path doesn't work. Your path is what I need. And allow you to guide us back to that path. You're so good. We love you so much. Bring us back so we can accomplish the great plans you have for our lives. Thank you, Jesus. Let's all stand. John, worship team, are going to come lead us in a quick closing chorus. thank you that you love us so much that you send things into our lives to get us back on track with you so father I pray for myself for everybody that's here everybody that's watching online today or whenever that this would be a burning bush experience for all of us. That once again, we would refocus on what you have called us to do. The purpose for which you have brought us to this place. And I'm not talking about the purpose that we all have that's all the same when it comes to loving you and following you and going after you. I'm talking about that specific calling that you've called us each to those specific gifts and talents that you've given to us to help us to accomplish that thing. God, you brought Moses to the palace to train him to accomplish the mission that you called him to. And Father, after years of running, after years of regret, 
you came to him and you brought him back. And Father, Moses is not special in that. You desire to do that to every single one. For every single one of us, no matter what we've done, no matter how many turns we've taken that made a mess out of things, the destination, the purpose, the plan has not changed. So bring us back to that place. We love you. We thank you for all that you do, all that you are, all that you're doing in us. And we thank you for the loving discipline that you bring to us to get us back headed to the destiny that you've called us to. We love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hell, I hope you have a wonderful week. Thank you so much for being here. Ladies, remember Thursday night here at the church is your book club. It's been going really well. Love you all. Have a great week. We'll talk to you soon.